Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at at First first listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So it's no secret that the world in a large part depends upon the tireless individuals studying STEM, by which we mean science, technology, engineering, mathematics. And being a scientist, as many of our fellow listeners can assure you, it's not the same thing as being the scientist you'll see portrayed in film or on a TV show. You know what I mean? Like Fringe is a super cool show. I loved it. But uh, being a scientist uh, can be tedious, It can be very demanding. You can often be underpaid. And in some cases, uh, you can be murdered. Yeah, especially if uh, certain uh, bad actors don't like what you're working on or what your work could mean for them or their business or their ideology. Yeah, or or country. And we're going to look at a trend. It's pretty disturbing where scientists have been dying in this episode. And we did this episode before... Russian medical professionals gain that nasty habit of falling out of windows. From UFOs to ghosts and government cover-ups, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. And I'm Ben. And this is Stuff They Don't Want You To Know. And today... Like every day here at Stuff They Don't Want You To Know, we're tackling something, eh, pretty grim. A little grim, yeah. But it's thing. It's a thing that people should know about, wouldn't you say, Matt? Agreed. Yeah. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to tell you the things you should know that they don't want you to know about. There we go. Did we get close to copyright infringement? Oh, man, I was scared. Oh, <laughs> Josh and Chuck are going to bust in here in a second. Now, uh, 
it's it's interesting you know just before you and i went on air uh we were talking about this book of surrealist games mm-hmm. which uh which I just got in the mail earlier, and a lot of it is writing prompts or uh, different ways to draw things. The idea is to get a new perspective and to get out of your head. And speaking of fantastic segues, I will bring this back later. I mentioned it for a reason. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are we talking about today, Matt? We're asking the question, is someone really assassinating scientists and inventors? And for you ladies and gentlemen out there in the audience, the answer will probably be, of course, given the span of human history, numerous people have been killed uh, for a multitude of reasons. Um, but we have to be very careful at the offset not to start thinking of this in terms of good guys and bad guys. No, it's more complicated than that. It turns out that there really aren't any good or bad guys. There are competing interests. <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, just like nation states don't have friends, they have interests that may or may not align. Um, so the reason I mention the perspective, the importance of perspective, which is explored in this book of surrealist games, uh, which, spoiler alert, I haven't read completely, is that there are differing perspectives upon what constitutes an assassination or murder. So what, what is, what, what's the diff? What's, what's the difference between assassination <laughs> and murder? Okay. So an assassination is a type of murder. It's, you kind of have to look at the motivation. So if it's for impersonal reasons, if you're looking at political or financial gain, if say this person X is killed, mm-hmm. or if it's a high profile person, like a world leader or, let's say, a scientist, an expert in their field, mm-hmm. someone who's an heir to some kind of massive fortune, or even an inventor, somebody who has technology that isn't out in the public hands yet, but this person knows how it works. Right. That could be yeah. considered an assassination. Uh, we'll see if you're those two. And murder, on the other hand, then, would be, in this perspective, murders that are not assassinations are often things like, crimes of passion or they're motivated by lower level personal gains, small amount of money, social obligations, you know, like you're joining a gang or emotional motivations, jealousy, anger, all the hits. Yeah. So the implication of the word assassination is that the person involved in the killing is motivated by uh, trying to maintain the status quo of some situation or to advance their personal position or perhaps their country's position. Mm-hmm. Um, or even to perhaps overturn an entire system. Oh, yeah, like when the uh, Black Hand assassinated Franz Ferdinand, right, uh, triggering the World War, um, or another example of maintaining a status quo for those of us who believe that not everything was on the up and up about the JFK, RFK murders, uh, assassinations. Somebody, wait, somebody thinks that wasn't just yeah, one, just lone gun? gun? Really? Yeah, two lone gun. Oh man, Guys, it's blowing my mind. Yes, yeah, uh, who didn't know each other and just coincidentally decided to, yeah. Anyway, I'm gonna have to do some research. Yeah, that's a different show, maybe. But if if you believe in that, then you probably believe that the Kennedys were murdered to maintain a status quo or advance the position and influence of the people involved in it. So with. That's a different story, as we said, and I'm getting a little derailed here, but it is correct to say then that um, forces have assassinated, 
not just murdered scientists. So it goes back to the perspective of the mm-hmm. killing, the the motivation. They're not stabbing these people or shooting them for you know twenty three dollars and some change in their lab coat, which is so stereotypical. I'm I'm not saying they walk around <laughs> in lab coats, but they'd be easier I, to spot. Yeah, it would be easier to spot. But uh, whomever has killed these people has assassinated them, uh, usually related to their work, right? Yeah. And here's the thing. It's tough to know exactly who is doing the assassinating. Uh, who are they? Yeah. Right? It's really tough to know because in a lot of cases, there's not solid proof that's just pointing you in the direction of one person or the other because mm-hmm. they're like we said, competing interests in this one area. Mm-hmm. And let's say um, a scientist in Iran gets assassinated, just as one example. Sure. There are a lot of groups that would potentially want to not have the Iranian nuclear weapons program continue on. So who do you point the finger at mm-hmm. when there are there's a whole group of people that you could right. be looking at? And in Iran, they wouldn't even say it's a weapon program, just an energy Sure, program. sure, just an energy program. Yeah, right. That's that's true. So we know that the alleged perpetrators are, at least as far as we can tell, most often uh, governments. So the United States, USSR, Israel, North Korea, China, Singapore, Germany, South Africa got in the game. And then uh, the other group at play, of course, which you and I have argued before on the show might be the new nation state is the corporation. So have corporations also been killing inventors and have they been killing scientists? Um, we've got the outline here, right? We've got the big picture, but mm-hmm. what are some actual e- examples? All right, well, let's just jump right in. So one would be Daniel McFarlane Moore. Mm-hmm. He was an, an inventor and he created the Moore lamp, which was the first really commercially viable light source that was based on gas. Okay. And he was shot by another rival inventor in 1936. So that's just another example where uh, competing interest in mm-hmm. his field mm-hmm. uh, decided it would be better if he wasn't there. Yeah, and it continues because uh, another example would be Gerald Bull, a uh, Canadian engineer. And this is a really interesting story, Matt. This uh, I want to do an episode or a series on Project Babylon. Oh, yeah. This, this is pretty recent, and you actually hit me to this uh, a few years back. Well, we've been doing this for a while. Yeah. <laughs> but you hit me to this a few years back. Gerald Bull, a uh, long-range artillery inventor. This guy just loved building guns. Bigger and bigger and bigger guns. Uh, the actual technical term for these would be super guns. And Project Babylon was a super gun that he was building for the Iraqi government. Uh, he was assassinated in Belgium in 1990. And then going back to how murky it can be to trace the killers, uh, the guesses for this are all over the place. So they said maybe Iran did it. And that, that makes sense because Iran and Iraq, of course, uh, were not allies. Especially that time, yeah. Yeah, maybe Israel did it, um, which makes sense because Iraq and Israel, not particularly allies. Maybe the CIA or MI6, who they get brought up in almost every assassination story, as sure. we'll find. Uh, maybe Chilean, Syrian, or South African governments, or hey, even the Iraqi government could have been behind the assassination. So it is clear that he was not murdered for some sort of personal reason, 
but that he was assassinated due to his unique knowledge about this gigantic long-range artillery. Yeah, and and he's had been making and inventing these weapons for a long time. So mm. anyone who was on the other end of one of his weapons, any one of those governments, may have been uh, a culprit. That's a really good point. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpert. It's just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with the Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut, and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...with zero qualifications... She had a Harvard plaque. ...tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. ...that this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. 
about $6 million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone. Employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So another person is Stanley Meyer, and we did a whole episode on this. Highly recommend you check out the video series on Mr. Meyer. He died in 1998. He was the inventor of this water-powered fuel cell, uh, alleged water-powered fuel right. cell. Yeah. Um, his brother, we talked about this, but his brother thinks that Stanley was poisoned uh, uh, while they yeah. were out to eat because they were going to go meet a couple of Belgian investors. And uh, I guess Stanley ran out of the the cafe or the restaurant they yeah, were in yeah. and complained that he was choking. He thought he'd been poisoned and he died. And this, please, yeah, check out this episode if you get a chance because we found a lot of interesting stuff there. Now, you will also find uh, quite a few people saying that the water-powered fuel cell has been soundly debunked. And then on the other side, his friends and family are saying that he grew increasingly paranoid mm -hmm. and that he was increasingly convinced that the powers that be, whomever they might be, uh, were after him to suppress his invention. It's really interesting, his story to me. I don't mean to pause too long here, but I can imagine that even if his fuel cell car, water fuel cell car, didn't work the way that he thought it worked, mm -hmm. if he thought it worked the way it did, then it would be this huge game changer. And it would be, I can see how he could create uh, a ton of the suspicion and the paranoia in his own mind by mm. thinking that it was this new thing that everyone's going to want. Hmm. But what if it was? Right. What if it was? We do know that, of course, uh, inventions really can be suppressed in the United States legally, which is probably still one of the most frightening things we've learned on this show. Uh, but inventors are not the only subjects of assassination based on their knowledge. As a matter of fact, we have a much more uh, concrete record and clear timeline of scientists who have been assassinated. That's right. We can look at David Joseph Webster, who was an anthropologist and a social activist who was murdered by assassins working for South Africa's Civil Cooperation Bureau. And they think this is due to his political activism, uh, i.e. his the anti-apartheid movement in 1989. Yeah, and what's interesting about the South African cases is that with the post-apartheid government, um, we are now able to learn a lot of the dirty secrets of apartheid-era South Africa that we would never have known otherwise. And that's also a reason that a lot of secrets about the USSR came out because once a government is defunct, uh, then all of a sudden transparency becomes a little bit easier, more plausible. Um, you can argue, of course, that governments who have continually covered up their stuff have a whole walk-in closet of skeletons just waiting to, waiting to see the light of day. Or maybe an underground bunker full. <laughs> you know what? That's way better. Yes. Uh, so, uh, this name I'll probably mispronounce here, Yahya El-Mashad, uh, an Egyptian nuclear scientist who was in charge of the Iraqi nuclear program, 
was killed in Paris in 1980. Now, you can take a wild guess who's generally blamed for that one, right? Uh, let's say... Mossad? Ding, 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 ding. Really? Yeah, and uh, Blue Ribbon to our contestant, Matt Frederick, because... Mm. Yeah, because... It's an it's it's a nuclear program in the Middle East that is not Israel's top secret nuclear program. Excuse me, finger uh, quotes around top secret. What? Yeah, uh, Mordecai Venunu is right. never going to get out of oh, jail. Oh man, I turned around and Chandler was staring at me, and I honestly was a little scared for a minute. Yeah, that's uh, our producer predator Chandler out there uh, mining some stuff for an upcoming episode, hopefully. Yes. And uh, let's pause for a moment to give a shout-out to our super producer, Noel. Oh, he's in the house again? Running the boards, everything that you guys <laughs> like. He was uh, dancing. Sound-wise, I didn't see him dance. Oh, he was dancing. He's not going to do it again. <laughs> but everything you guys like sound-wise comes from Noel, so we do always want to thank him in the course of the show. And... Uh, Moving on. Back to the killing of scientists. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. There's sometimes, stuff. sometimes we have to make it a little lighter for ourselves because, mm. uh, it gets, it gets pretty down when we look at these things, Ben, and I think we have to lift our spirits somehow. Yeah, it can, it can get pretty heavy. Um, speaking of heavy though, I have a question for you about this next guy. I want to see if you think this is a murder or an assassination. A guy named Ernest Gibbons, an entomologist. In 1942, while he was in Uganda researching tropical disease, he was killed via spear by tribesmen who thought that he would use their blood samples for witchcraft. Interesting. So, We've got him on the assassination list because technically it's a murder to maintain a status quo. Yeah, they killed him because they were afraid of his position. Right, right. Or their life. Or, or was it in defense? Life. Was it right. self defense? Mm hmm. And from their perspective, going back to shifting perspectives, it surely was an act of defense. And Jeez. I mean, all of the terrible things that so many Europeans were doing in Africa in the forties. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's tough to make that, it's tough to make that call. I mean, of course, they should not have killed him. Uh, if, especially if this guy sounds like he was researching tropical disease with an eye toward curing it, yeah. right? Not weaponizing it, which again is another podcast we should do later. Uh, the, the scientists out there weaponizing diseases. But let's move on. I, I just okay. want to hear what you guys think of that. Is that a murder or an assassination? Okay, let's look at PIM14. And I'm probably spelled that incorrectly. P-I-M-F-O-R-T-U-Y-N. He was a Dutch sociologist and a politician. He was, um, I don't know how to put this nicely. He was rather anti-Muslim. Uh, <sighs> Should I say he was kind of racist? He was kind of racist. Yeah, I feel like that's fair. At least that's what it seems, from my opinion. Anyway, he was assassinated because of his, of those political views and because of those uh, strongly held notions. Right. Anti-immigration, and he was reacting to the what what he saw as the erosion of traditional Dutch culture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that Anders Breivik... Uh, committed the mass murder of those children, and there's a there's a rise in this sort of sentiment 
in Europe, or rather we should say a resurgence or modern, modern mm-hmm. iteration. And then, of course, we should mention the numerous scientists in history who have been killed as part of a mass murder. We've got here on the outline scientists who died in Nazi concentration camps. Um, of course, many brilliant scientists died in concentration camps. Uh, there were also prominent people who died in the massacre in Rwanda. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of another stark example of widespread, I would say, assassination of scientists occurs in Cambodia. Uh, under the uh, rule of Pol Pot. And Khmer Rouge and all that. Um, yeah, and uh, I don't know if you know this, we've talked about it before. Uh, did I ever tell you Pol Pot's real name, his birth name? Mm-mm. Saloth Sar. Saloth Sar? Yeah, just a bit of trivia, and we haven't dug into uh, the history of Cambodia, but we would like to examine it in a, another podcast. If that's something you're interested in, just let us know. And it holds up. Unfortunately, it's often treated as a, as a cliche or a platitude, at least in English. I don't know. I don't want to assume everybody's native language is English listening, but uh, we often say, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Often things are only cliches because they are so true. And, uh, in, in this case, uh, with, with the ISIS video that we had done recently, uh, we found that that was also, um, it also obeyed that rule, the development of that group, which is ongoing and which, um, it's very strange for us to do podcasts on things that are still underway, you know, or series. Yeah. Uh, we don't know exactly what is going to happen in the Middle East and, Again, I, I would ask uh, you guys, ladies and gentlemen, to check out our video on ISIS and let us know what you believe the future of this group is. Because it goes without saying, but I'll say it, that it's enormously controversial. And complicated. And complicated and does not have the approval of the Muslim world at large. Nope. So. Please do check that. We've also heard a lot of theories about who actually controls them, which is what our video is about. Is it a Western group uh, funding these people? Is it a um, a Middle Eastern group that has a problem with Shia? Because I believe ISIS is Sunni. Um, and speaking of the Middle East, now we go to the thing that inspired a lot of our series on scientist assassinations. A little bit of context, the quick and dirty first for anyone who hasn't seen our video or does not know about this. Uh, for a number of years, as you've probably heard, Iran and the Western world have been at a near state of war. You have probably heard hawks in both the United States, Europe, Israel as well, uh, saying that Iran is closer and closer to uh, achieving a nuclear weapon. And becoming a nuclear power is, in most cases, a point of no return for uh, the world order, and it changes things. Yeah, because now you're a real threat, and Mm -hmm. you can't get bullied quite as much. Right, Um, And you're also extremely dangerous. Right, and nuclear power is considered, at least under deterrence theory, the ultimate stay-out-of-my-affairs kind of Mm -hmm. weapon. Uh, in some cases, uh, 
countries have gotten close to this and then been coerced or coaxed into uh, stopping their nuclear programs. But Iran uh, maintains that it has a right to nuclear energy. And yes. they, they say that it's energy and not weaponry. The problem is that the same processes used to refine nuclear material to make a nuclear power plant are the same processes that can be used to create nuclear weapons. Uh, it's a dangerous line. It's a dangerous line, and it's um, it's an, it's an interesting thing because going back to perspective, the Western perspective is often that if Iran achieves nuclear power, game over, man, to quote aliens, uh, there will simply be a nuclear war. And in other perspectives, in, in non-Western perspectives, uh, the the constraints and the demands made by the West against Iran are seen as trying to push Iran into a war because uh, the West and the, the Sunni empires of the Middle East do not want the Shia to achieve um, regional hegemony, right? And yeah. they control that uh, Strait of Hormuz, yeah. I believe, where all the oil comes from. <laughs> Uh, so, like we said, it's mm. tremendously complicated. Yeah, sorry and for the monologue. No, it's totally fine. There's just there are so many uh, competing interests out there, and then a whole other a whole other set of competing interests in the Western world mm -hmm. that are all looking and trying to figure out the chess pieces of what's going on over there. And then when you have, you know, a, a fairly small country like Iran that has this developing technology that could lead to. Uh, either disastrous results or just be a uh, thorn in the side of anybody who wants to manipulate the area. Right. Yeah. So at some point, uh, a few years back, the governing powers of um, some country, right, because still mm -hmm. no one is quite sure who this is or no one's admitting it, uh, at some point, a group of very powerful people said, you know, this paperwork is taking a while and uh, I don't have to wait for the UN to vote on stuff. So let's just start killing the people who are in charge of the nuclear program. Now, you know, it doesn't matter if you think it was a good decision or a bad decision. If you're if you're pro or anti either side, the fact of the matter is that this happened. Somebody is killing these people it happened in a dark room a quiet conversation between two people maybe it happened out in the open somewhere because it was harder to track mm -hmm. or listen to but it happened right and we know it happened because we have just in this show we have no less than five examples of when this happened so let's look at majid sharari a nuclear engineer who was assassinated in 2010 uh, there were some unidentified assailants who rode up on motorcycles and attached bombs to this person's car, and they detonated it from a distance. They rode away and detonated the bombs that they just stuck to the sides of the cars. And Iran initially, and I believe still currently, blames uh, Mossad for mm -hmm. this. And then for another example, we have... Uh Ardashir uh, Hosingpur, I'm mispronouncing this name, but uh, this was a scientist and professor of electromagnetism, died in 2007. According to Stratfor, which is a privately run intelligence analyst uh, corporation, 
this scientist was killed either via gassing or radioactive poisoning. And this was also blamed on the United States and or Israel. However, Mossad sources denied these allegations, which means that it is possible that this scientist asphyxiated due to gas fumes while asleep. However, to me, that doesn't hold water given the studies and the professional biography or the CV of this person. I'm fairly certain Hosingpur was assassinated. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Are you ready to fight back against crime? Hi, guys. Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies, personally investigating, prosecuting, and covering literally thousands of cases. It's so easy to think it will never happen to me or my family, but that is simply not true. Every day on Crime Stories with Nancy Grace, we shine a light on unsolved homicides, heat up cold cases, and help find missing people, especially children. We speak with family members, investigators, CSI, reporters, and experts in every field. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series, Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halper. Just a shame, you know, that they took him from us. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way. Knocking on doors, uncovering new evidence, including the DNA of a potential killer. Uh, my name is Danny Smith. I'm a detective uh, with Miramar Police Department. This is Scott Weinberger. We're actually reopening an old case, and your name came up. Untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one murder, but almost a dozen. I thought they were going to kill me, so I kept my mouth shut and I didn't say anything. All these years, I didn't say anything. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Jim Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene. 
I understand now. It is a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Then there's um, Masoud Ali Mohammadi. He was a quantum field theorist and an elementary particle physicist. In 2010, he died because his motorcycle was apparently booby-trapped and it exploded. And he died in the explosion. And Iran demanded the extradition of a couple of these Tondar members. Mm-hmm. They're an expatriate association based in the U.S., and they're often thought of by Iran as a terrorist group. And it's good that we're recording this now because we had a video that came out explaining some of the nature of proxies mm-hmm. in in these kinds of dirty wars or clandestine assassination wars. And Yeah, so who's Tondar? Tondar uh, is a group based in the United States of Iranian Americans or originally Iranian nationals who left uh, either in response to the uh, increasingly strict policies of Iran post-revolution mm-hmm. or in response to the revolution. So they are not uh, was it they they are not friends of the of the current government and in Iran they are treated as a terrorist group, right? But mm-hmm. in the United States, they are not. They're thought of as an expatriate organization. And we, we see that happening often, you know, and think in the video, we mentioned MEK and we yep. mentioned Hezbollah and the other groups that are terrorist to some countries and not terrorist in other countries. Moving on, number four, Darush uh, Rezeyanajad. Uh, this is, again, my mispronunciation. I apologize to all Farsi speakers. Uh, this was an engineering student assassinated by gunmen in 2011. Uh, Iran also blames this on Mossad because uh, Darush's research was on high-voltage switches, which would be a crucial component in the nuclear technology that the country was and is pursuing. Last on our list, we have Mustafa Ahmadi Roshan, who is a nuclear scientist and a professor. And apparently he died by an explosive in 2012. So these are just five examples of assassinations that we know occurred. This doesn't mean that these are the only ones by any means. And it certainly doesn't mean that Iranian scientists are the only people being assassinated. We're not trying to vilify any country because, frankly, a lot of these countries are using clandestine means when the official channels don't work. And we didn't put anything in here about the corporations, but Matt, you remember the guy who allegedly died by uh, hanging himself in Singapore? And he was working with uh, some electronics, some uh, yes. semiconductors, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, the name escapes me now, but the police in Singapore 
did not even investigate the crime scene, which the family found out about when they flew to Singapore. They're convinced that he was murdered, uh, possibly to keep the secret of his research, uh, because he was a U.S. national working for a foreign company. And there's this entire underbelly or this entire unreported segment of, of suspiciously convenient deaths that, that just runs through so much of the rarefied world of high-tech expertise, and it's frightening. Well, it's really frightening because if, if you die in a certain way that doesn't look suspicious, even sometimes if it looks a little suspicious... Yeah, like you uh, end up in a bag. Yeah, that's that's locked, let's say, from the mm-hmm. outside in a bathtub. Uh, <clears throat> oh, I believe we mentioned him in the video, right? Yeah, sorry. Go, really, go back and watch our video. If you get the chance, it's not very long. You'll enjoy it, and mm-hmm. it'll scare you. Well, it'll set you down a rabbit hole, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So one of the last things that we talked about, this is one of my favorite parts of the show, Matt, is that now we can speak speculatively. We can talk about our opinions, and let's be very careful to differentiate our opinions from the facts. We talked about the facts earlier. So with these allegations, right, because we still have to call them allegations in most cases, since they have not been proven, Mm -hmm. you know, no intelligence agency has been prosecuted for these murders, nor have any operatives, right? Let's talk pros and cons. So there's a reason that these people are are being assassinated and the governing powers of the people who are carrying out these assassinations uh, clearly believe that it is worth it to murder or assassinate someone. Uh, let's try and find the silver lining here, if oh, there the is anything. Line. The biggest thing would be there. perhaps there is a reason that some of these people have been killed, and it's because the people who killed them believe that by killing them, they will be saving hundreds, if not thousands or millions of others. Okay, yeah. Let's say, for instance, the Iranian scientists. Um, perhaps there's a person, let's, I'm just, this is all my opinion, <laughs> uh, somewhere, I don't know, hanging out CIA headquarters who decided, well, right, these are the guys we need to take out so that a nuclear weapon won't happen in Iran. So the idea being that the uh, the idea being that it's ultimately better or even morally superior to take a few lives in order to save possibly thousands, right? Possibly, it's a big if, right? Even it's even series, yeah. even if you're trying to go positive with it, it's a huge if because who's to say what? Even if a weapon system did happen there, mm-hmm. who's to say what's going to happen? You can't see the future. Well, maybe the CIA can, and I just don't know about it. <laughs> uh, I highly doubt that, though. Well, there, you know, we can also talk about some of the the clear cons for this sort of thing. Assassinating someone by any measure of the of the international norms is uh, it's against the law. It's forty eight shades of illegal, you know, yeah. and. Uh, or I guess I should have said 50 shades of illegal. 
to get a topical joke in. (laughs) It's quite all right if you don't. Oh, yeah. Well, it's too late. The die is cast. But but the point is that this sort of thing also clearly, clearly, and perhaps irrevocably damages relationships between countries. Already tense situations begin to deteriorate. Uh, Spycraft is crazy and... You know, at some point we have to ask ourselves, uh, we as, as human beings have to ask ourselves, is, is spycraft generally over the long term of benefit to the world or is it of short term benefit, uh, to a, a small group of people? To the status quo. Right, to the status quo. Now, you know, we've, we've all heard the stories about the Cold War and the extensive crazy amount of spying that went on there and, it seemed that the USSR and the United States were constantly uh, putting out their own propaganda and, and neck and neck in some races, but then also started believing their own propaganda. I, I just wonder, I just wonder what this means for the future of science. Yeah. Well, I think it creates a lot of suspicion and paranoia in those fields and it's going to make it's going to make at least high priority science that's happening much more secretive and that's scary because that's not what it's supposed to be Mm -hmm. big science is supposed to be public and shared and you know it's like we talked about with patents a while ago yeah what what the patent system does to science because now i as the inventor or the scientist i want to reap the rewards rather than you know spread them out amongst Mm -hmm. humanity yeah, I was I was thinking the same thing too because you know right now uh various countries have sanctions systems against one another, right? Uh the there's sanction systems against North Korea which are primarily intended to punish the elite who are the only people who really have access to those sorts of luxury goods. But then there there's sanctions against um Iran as well. And there's this huge debate in the international sphere over whether or not sanctions work. But one of my concerns is what if education starts becoming a good that can be sanctioned? You know, what if, what if you're a bright student and you cannot go to the best university for your field because it happens to be in France or it happens to be in, Whoa. you know, it happens to be Harvard or something? That's disturbing. I, I hope that never happens. Um, Sorry, Ben, you're freaking me out. <laughs> oh, no. I, because, we, you know, education is one of those things that's so under, it's such an under-priority or a non-priority, mm-hmm. it seems to be, from a public standpoint, at least here in the U.S. And we're arriving at this point, this crossroads, Matt, where it is possible that education in the future will be free, will be a universal human right. And I know even just the phrase human rights can just, on its own, set people's, certain people's hair on end. But, you know, if you look at it, we're, we're moving into a world where the cost of information is so cheap that people are able to, just with an internet connection, uh, directly learn from some of the smartest folks in the world. And what if, in the interest of national security, people begin to lose access to that information? I'm always, I'm always very skeptical, and I have been increasingly skeptical of national security as a reason for things. 
Yeah, I think so. you should be. It's been abused a lot. Mm -hmm. I wish I could just claim national security in my personal life. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> personal security, maybe? Uh, I'm. Oh, it's got to be national security. Oh, it's got to be, be a defense issue. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry I can't go to work next week. Why? National security. I shouldn't even be talking to you about this. Just cover for me. You know, it would work for you, Ben. Would I it, could, work? I, it would totally work for you. I think I, it would work more for you. I wouldn't think twice if if Jerry told me, hey, look, Ben's not here, national security. Is, go, it, okay. is, it, is it the new uh, base that you can tag in conversation? <laughs> it is. Okay, so I don't want to get us too off base, Matt, but I wanted to talk about this on the air because I thought the listeners would like it. And I think it might answer some conversations you and I have been having for a long time. I was thinking about... The term conspiracy theory, you and I have, you know, kicked this around all the time because mm -hmm. it's often used as an insult, right? Yeah. So why, when people hear the phrase conspiracy theory, will they throw out completely reasonable stuff like banks cooperating with drug cartels, which, uh, excuse my hiccup, we uh, scooped the Daily Show on. Yeah. <laughs> Take but, that, Stuart. <laughs> right. Oh, huge fans, if you're listening to our show, thank you. Uh, but we, we really did, uh, find that often that phrase alone was enough to completely, um, what's a good word? Like nullify everything yeah. around it? Yeah, negate any, any evidence, anything like that. And people who prize themselves as critical thinkers stopped thinking critically or even skeptically, when they heard the phrase conspiracy theory, they just went, oh, well, that's total BS. So I finally figured out a, a, a theory about what this is. Or okay. I should say I found Ooh. a book by someone who figured it out. Uh, there's an author named Robert J. Lifton who wrote a book called Thought Reform and the Psychology of Totalism. And in the Psychology of Totalism, he brings up a very interesting idea, the thought terminating cliche it's a cliche that is a commonly used phrase that you hear that will quell this cognitive dissonance or justify fallacious logic or just dismiss any opposing viewpoints so you know on the internet when someone says hey you guys stop picking on that person then someone else goes oh look at this you're white knighting mm -hmm. right white knighting would be a thought terminating cliche there because then it all of a sudden has all these connotations of like everything that the prior person said now is looked at under this light yeah it doesn't matter doesn't yeah. matter because of you and what you are and everybody knows because of this special word or phrase Jeez. and so what what i'm finding is that Going back to this, I know we walked a long way for this one, but going back to it, national security is turning into a thought-terminating cliché. Turning into, man. I think it's been there. Well, it's valid in certain contexts, you know. Sure, it's valid. I, conspiracy theory is super valid in certain contexts. That's true. I just, you know, like, what's an example of national security? I don't want people to be able to take warheads on planes. Agreed. On commercial flights, you know. That is a matter of national security. It sure is. Uh, and TSA, if you're listening, good luck, guys. Because uh, I, I don't think, you know, I, I personally don't have the highest opinion of the TSA. Yeah. Well, mm, we can get into that in the TSA and security theater. 
and we can talk about that later. Security theater. I like that phrase. Um, it's not mine, but it, it's true. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look it up. And I'm sorry if that was too much of a tangent for the it happens, man. cliche. It happens. Uh, us conspiracy theorists go on tangents. Mm, more and more, I think the term conspiracy realist or critical thinking is apt. I think that's it. Conspiracy yeah. realist. And I don't know if someone's really coined that phrase or not, but I like it. All right. We called it then. Unless someone else has done it, you heard it here first. Matt and Ben call dibs. <laughs> <laughs> no. Put it on t-shirts. I mean, who can own a phrase? That's, that's weird. Right? Yeah. We'll just put it on a t-shirt. Maybe that'll be enough. Um, but we'd also like to hear your opinions about these assassinations of scientists. Is it is it correct? Is it is it morally justifiable to assassinate someone who would, for all intents and purposes, count as a civilian? Right. And are there other cases of inventors or scientists being assassinated that you want us and the rest of your fellow listeners to know about? Uh, if so. Uh, let us know. And uh, just to emphasize how important listener mail is to us, we have a listener mail uh, today. Excellent. Let's get to it. We got this message from Greg S. He says, hey, guys, I've been watching you for some time and I thought I'd take some time in first congratulating you on all your success. I know it's hard to get things going. But you all did it. And I hope the best success for you in the future. The reason why I'm taking some time just to talk to you today is because I'd really like for you to dive into the new Pope hmm. and tie in the idea of him being a Jesuit. And of course, knowing what a Jesuit really stands for and what they have been doing since the beginning, I think you'll find a lot of major wars and collapses or starters from Jesuits. Hmm. I hope this intrigues you to find out more or just to inform people a little on what Jesuits are. Interesting, Greg. Uh, I don't know. Is it feels a little touchy to me, this subject already. Well, we can definitely look at the history of Jesuits because I'll be honest, other than Jesuit schools, I don't know very much about the, the organization. Um, and I, I do know that the... The new pope is a Jesuit, right? Uh, I would be really interested to dig in here and see what we find. Uh, so, Greg, uh, thank you so much for writing to us. And we, you know what? I'm going to take you up on it. I'm going to, I'm going to look into this. Yeah. We'll at least do some, some digging. Right. Cause there's, there are always so many skeletons there just under the surface especially of very old organizations so greg you say that a lot of major wars and collapses come from the jesuit organization yeah let's see what's up with that man okay let's figure it out let's do it well thank you so much dj logic for writing in so yeah if you again if you have any ideas for a show topic send it to us you can find us on Facebook. We're Conspiracy Stuff there. You can find us on Twitter. We're at Conspiracy Stuff. And you should go to our website, StuffTheyDon'tWantYouToKnow.com. Mm -hmm. I love just telling you guys all the places that you can find us every week. I, I'm sure you're getting sick of this, or you just turn it off. Yeah, I, I uh, hope people don't get sick of it. I mean, we still have other stuff that we squeeze in at, at some episodes, right? Yeah. Uh, and the website is pretty cool. You can find all of our audio stuff there. Um, we asked people recently on Twitter 
if uh, you wanted to read a blog, if we should start doing that again. So let us know. Uh, we can we can always start that up, but we want to make sure it's something people feel like reading. Yeah, exactly. And that's the end of this classic episode. If you have any thoughts or questions about this episode, you can get into contact with us in a number of different ways. One of the best is to give us a call. Our number is one eight three three stdwytk If you don't want to do that, you can send us a good old-fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iheartradio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Hi guys, Nancy Grace here, host of podcast Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. I've dedicated my life to fighting crime and helping crime victims. For a decade, I prosecuted violent felonies. Every day is a mission. Every day is a chance to stop crime and keep one more person safe. Listen to Crime Stories with Nancy Grace on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Scott Weinberger, journalist and former deputy sheriff. In my new podcast series called Blooded, I'm embedded in the cold case investigation into the death of firefighter Billy Halpern. Experience this investigation in a truly unique way, untangling secrets that may reveal the answers to not only one case, but almost a dozen. Listen to Cold-Blooded, The Apollo Gym Murders on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.